This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. We've been doing a series called Moving Past Pain. And uh, this, this morning I want to talk to you about a, a different kind of pain that actually all of us have to deal with in some respects. And, and that's the pain of the past. There's a, a condition, it's a medical condition called hyperthymesia, I believe is the name of it. Hyperthymesia is, it, it sounds ominous, it's, it's interesting, it's, it's only 60 people in the world have it. And it's an unusual, uh, almost a supernatural uncanny ability to remember all the details of your life. I mean, there's a lady who has it, who said that she can remember everything she ate and everything she wore for the past decade. Didn't say she posted everything she ate and everything she wore. She can remember everything she ate and wore. And um, don't you know people like that never lose their keys? Ever. But the problem is, these people also, because they can, can live out in such vivid details, the problem is that it, they remember everything that's ever been done to them, and they remember every bad thing they've ever done. And that's a problem. Because the past, for many people, can be very painful. Now this morning, if you're listening to me and you're thinking, oh, man, I'm great, I got a great past, I got, I got nothing to worry about, I, I'm very glad for you. You're probably in the minority. Uh, because most of us have things in our past that we would not want put up on this screen. And so, it may be if you're doing good, Keep these things in mind because you know someone that has a past and maybe it's hurting them. And the, the objective of church is not that we get strength, but we also get strength that we can give away to someone else, that we can help other people. The problem with the past is that you can't redo it. I mean, you could think about it over and over again, but you're not ever going to get a chance to go back and redo it. I don't know, I've always enjoyed those sci-fi those sci films that have people going back in time and like redoing their past, <laughs> that's a movie. It's not going to happen. But here's, here's the thing, a, a good tip to keep in mind. If you can't redo it, don't replay it. So don't keep going over and over and over and over again. Some of the things you've done in the past, it's, it's not helping you. Listen, I, I can remember I, I was reaching out to a friend of mine, um, who I went to school with, and I remembered a, a horrible thing that we had let him down in, in the middle of a crisis. And just remembering that really grieved me. And I had to catch myself and go, you know what? The Lord's forgiven me for that. i got to move on. You can't redo it. Don't replay it. The problem with the past also is it can sap all the joy out of your current life. It can distill, you're having a great time, and all of a sudden, you remember your past. And one of the, the biggest challenges is that the enemy will often remind you of your past with the idea that you don't deserve to be happy. You don't deserve to, to, to enjoy things. You don't deserve to enjoy that. And that's one of his greatest tools. You have to understand that Satan, one of his greatest tools is condemnation. And he uses condemnation to steal your confidence and to steal your joy. And then as you're, as you're thinking about the past, it can limit your future because every time you get ready to do something, you're reminded about where maybe you failed or where you didn't come through. 
And so it can limit your ability, and it will especially limit your ability to believe that God can do something different in your life. They say that training elephants, I've never trained an elephant personally. I have a hard enough time with a poodle. But I've, training elephants, they put, they put a, like a, a chain when they're baby elephants. They put a chain around their feet, one of their feet, and they stake it into like a cemented stake that's in the ground. Can't break the chain, can't pull the stake up. And so the elephant's pulling and pulling and tugging and tugging. And after a while, elephants, are, they say, are very, very smart. And so they caught on to the fact that that's not going to happen. Elephants are also very smart, and elephants never what? Forget. And so as they get big, they get to be a big elephant, they find that all they have to do is put a chain around their foot and, and stake it to just a little stake in the ground, and elephants don't move because they're reminded of they never have been able to get past that in the past, so they don't even tug against it. And so, you know, here's an elephant. In fact, they said sometimes you don't even have to stake it. Just put the chain around their foot and leave it there, and an elephant won't move because in his mind he's limited by his past. How many people, you think, have been limited? They're getting ready to step out and trust God or believe God or do something, and the, and the past comes back about what a terrible Christian you are, how you, how you failed, how you missed it, and you don't make a move. Even though not realizing that what you became in Christ, you're a new creation in Christ. And old things have passed away and all things have become new. Old things have passed away, including your past. And so your ability now, to, so what we really need to start doing is Boy, you start to feel that chain rattling around your foot. You rip it out of the, of the ground and go, I'm going to tell you something. That's maybe what I was, but I've been forgiven. I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away out of my life, and I'm going with God. <laughs> Ain't no chains on me. Paul understood this. Paul probably had one of the greatest grasp of, of God's forgiveness of anybody. Paul, before he was a believer before Jesus pretty much arrested him on the road to Damascus, Paul was, was a guy who, who committed Christians to prison. He would go in and throw whole families in prison. He broke up families. He was there when they stoned Stephen to death, and he was agreeing to it. He gave his stamp of approval on it. So this is a guy that had quite a past, and yet he also had quite an understanding of God's forgiveness. Look what he says here in Philippians. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it. He was talking about complete perfection. He said, but I'll focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Now, Paul could say that. Paul needed to say that. He's the one that committed Christians to death. He, he hurt the church, but he also understand that when he made Jesus his Lord, that was passed away. In fact, Toward the end of his life, Paul stood up in front of a whole group of Jewish leaders and said, men, he said, I have lived before God with a clear conscience unto this day. How in the world could you say that? Well, the only way you could say that is if you forgot the past and you just put it in the past and you kept going because Paul know, knew you cannot run your race looking behind you. You just can't do it. It's, it's, it's almost impossible. When I was in high school, the only, pretty much the only way you could date was um, dinner and a movie. And one of the movies, I saw a bunch of movies in high school. And one, one of the movies 
was a movie that came out in 1976 called Gumball Rally. And Gumball Rally was, um, I, I cannot vouch for the acting in it. I mean, it, it had Gary Busey in there. So that, uh, that gives you a little bit of a hint. But uh, it, it was really interesting because it was based, loosely based on a true story about an illegal race, car race, from New York to L.A. And uh, I think it was called the Cannonball Run, but it, it was based on that. And they had some really cool cars in it. Acting wasn't good, cars were really cool. Had a, had a Shelby Cobra, had a, a Ferrari, and uh, a Porsche, neat, neat cars. So the only thing I remember, line I remember from the movie, was the guy who was playing the Italian driver of the Ferrari. And he gets in the Ferrari, that kind of have a cheesy Italian accent. My mother-in-law's in the first service, I'm, she's probably gonna get, get on to me for this. But uh, the, uh, he sits in the, in the car, he goes, the first rule of Italian driving, and he reaches up and he snaps the rear view mirror off and throws it out of the car. He says, well, what's behind me is not important. I thought, that's a good rule for life. What's behind me is not important, it's what's up ahead. And that's what we have to, to focus on. So, in forgetting, now if you look that movie up and you hate it, don't come bother me. I'm just telling you about a part of a movie. Let me tell you about, though, a, a, a story that happened in the Bible. It was two perspectives of the past. One is a victim's perspective. The other one is a perspective of someone who had done something wrong, guilt and remorse. The victim is a man named Joseph. So we're reading about him in, in Genesis the Bible dedicates about 10 chapters to Joseph. So he's, a, he's an important character, interesting character. He was part of a, of a family that had uh, 12 sons, four wives, 12 sons. That is a recipe for dysfunction. And the, all, the, all the, can you imagine 12 brothers? If any of you have brothers, you, especially guys, recognize that brothers can be very competitive with one another. My, my wife, says, you know, it's a good thing, Alan, you didn't have a brother. You would have smothered him at, at, at a young age. And that's probably true. But um, Joseph was the favorite of his father, which is not good. And Joseph had these dreams where he talked about his brothers bowing down to him. That didn't go over well. And so with Joseph's brothers, they hated him so much, they were going to kill him. But instead of killing him, they threw him in this pit and then had a bright idea, we're going to sell him as a slave. So they sold him into slavery. And he went to Egypt, and he's in, I believe it was Potiphar's house in Egypt. He's a slave. God was with him. One thing you notice about Joseph is, in every situation he gets in, God's still with him. Which tells us that even if you're in a, in a bound situation, or you feel very limited, if God is with you, you can come out of that. And he was in the situation, he was a slave, he was running the whole household, Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him, it didn't work. When he rejected her, she screamed rape. And then they threw him in prison. So here's a man who's, who's been unjustly sold as a slave by his own family, winds up running a household, but then winds up unjustly being thrown in prison. If you would, if you would look at a guy like that, you would think, dear Lord, you're a victim. And he was a victim. And oftentimes with victims, they can have a, a mentality of revenge or abuse. But Joseph had a different mentality. 
And when God got him out of prison, made him the number two guy in the whole country, Joseph's perspective we see is when he got married and had two little boys. I'll read the story here. And to Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, whom Asnath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, bore to him. Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh, for God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. How he named his children gives us insight into Joseph's perspective of the past. First thing he mentions is God has caused me. God has caused me to forget. He could have named that child, I have seen some troubles. I have had some hard times. You don't know the troubles I've been through. And God has given me a son. No, no. He said, God has caused me to forget all my years as a slave and all my years in all my father's house. Now, he did not forget, completely wipe it from his memory. What's he talking about? He's talking about the pain of being a slave, the pain of being sold into slavery, the pain of all that injustice. God had caused him to forget that. That that pain of his past wasn't plaguing him. And then when the second child is born, he starts off with God again. God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. He wasn't denying that he went through troubles, but he was denying troubles the ability to plague his future. And he says, you know what? God has caused me, even in the middle of my troubles, God has lifted me up and caused me to be fruitful and productive. What a great way to look at the past. God got involved. We've come out of this. But Joseph's brothers, different story. Joseph runs into his brothers about 20 plus years later. And Joseph's brothers have come to buy grain from Joseph. You have to read the story because I'm, I'm cutting through a lot of it. But they come to buy grain and Joseph recognizes them. They don't recognize him. And Joseph tests them. He, 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 when you first read the story, you think, oh man, he's just jacking with his brothers. I don't believe Joseph was jacking with his brothers at all. I believe he was testing his brothers to find out whether or not these guys had changed. Are they going to be trustworthy men? Listen, forgiveness is given. Trust is earned. Someone could do something to you, and, and I've heard people say, Alan, Alan they, they abused my child, and if I forgive them, I have to let them back in my life. I'm like, whoa, 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 hang on. Hang on. You forgive them because you need to get that off of your heart. I said, but trust, don't put your child around them until you can trust that they're going to treat your child well. Forgiveness and trust, two different things. That's another message. But Joseph now is looking at his brother's, and he's, uh, he said, tell you what, I'm going to keep one of these guys here, kept Simon here, in prison. The rest of you guys go back and bring your younger brother. That was Benjamin. Bring your younger brother back here or you'll never see my face again. And listen to how, 20 plus years later, listen to how the brothers talk. They said to one another, we are truly guilty concerning our brother, for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us, and we would not hear. Therefore, this distress has come upon us. And Reuben answered them saying, did I not speak to you saying, do not sin against the boy and you would not listen? Therefore, behold, his blood is now required of us. You hear how they're talking? They're talking about something that happened to over 20 years ago. But they're talking about it like it happened yesterday. Guys, listen, you better deal with your past or your past will continue to deal with you. And it was just constantly in their face. He's like, we're guilty. They're, they're feeling guilty. 
and, and then they start finger pointing. I told you, this is 20 plus years ago. They're like, I told you. This sense of dread was hanging over them because of what they did years ago that they never were able to reconcile. And so now they're believing that punishment's coming and this distress has come upon them. They still believe that. They never got past the pain. Joseph got past the pain of being a victim. His brothers not got, never got past the pain of remorse and guilt. How do you get past the pain? How do I get past the pain of our lives? I'm going to give you some things this morning, but listen, these are not like one, two, three things. These are principles. So we can take them and listen to them. We can begin to apply them to our life. Here's the first one. It sounds simple. It is powerful. Magnify God, not your past. Magnify God, not your past. Joseph started with God first. He had more confidence. Listen, you have to have more confidence in your relationship with the living God than in your dead past. Your relationship with God is alive. Your past is dead. You can't get it back. So you might as well just go ahead and magnify the one that you have a relationship with. Joseph said, God calls me to do this. Listen, magnifying God. You say, well, how do I magnify God and not the past? Stop talking about the past. Stop thinking about the past. And when the thought begins to come, you stop it and go, can't do anything about that. I've been forgiven of that. I want to thank you, God, that you have done something in my life and my past is gone. It doesn't count anymore. You got to stop talking about it. You got to stop thinking about it. Because every time you do, the past just gets bigger. There was a guy and he played for the University of Texas football. And in 1941, he dropped a pass. And it's haunted him ever since. He played when the University of Texas was ranked number one in the nation. He was, uh, he was playing Baylor. They were up seven to nothing. And third quarter, quarterback throws his one. His name was Noble Doss. And Noble went running for the ball. And the ball, he's usually very sure-handed. And the ball slipped through his hands. Noble said, he said, there was only, only thing between me and the goal was 20 yards of grass. He said, I cost my team a chance at a national championship because Baylor came back, tied the game. They lost the number one ranking. They didn't go into the Rose Bowl. He said, Noble Doss said, I think about that play every day. Now, Noble Doss has got a lot of other things he could think about. Has a wonderful wife. They've been married for over six decades, where they were. He, he was a, a Navy pilot, World War II. He was a a member of the Philadelphia Eagles, and they won two championships, NFL championships. He was an All-American at Texas on the Texas Hall of Honor, Texas High School Hall of Honor. He intercepted 17 passes. He was extremely successful. He was a father. He was a grandfather. He had all these things in his life he could have focused, and he said, I think about that pass every day. He met a, a, a coach a new head coach for the Longhorns. I believe this is somewhere in the 90s. 50 years after that game, 50 years after, he starts telling the coach about that game and he weeps. 50 years later, he dropped a pass. How could Noble Doss have gotten past that? Most everybody else remembers all the good things he did. Noble Doss could have gotten past it by simply instead of magnifying the past. Could have magnified all the good things he had in his life. If believers, as we believe it, we can at least magnify God. We can say, hey, I got, 
I've got a relationship with him. I don't have to keep talking and bringing up my past. Here's another thing that will help. Choose to believe that God can help you overcome the pain of the past. The pain of the past. That God can help you do this. Jesus was speaking, and this is what he said in Mark 10. Jesus looked at them and said, With men, it's impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. One of the things that it would help you to do is when you start talking about your past, is stop quoting what everyone else tells you. Oh, you'll never get over this. Oh, you're scarred for life. Oh, you'll never be able to move past this. What if you begin to say, no, with God, all things are possible. And it's possible for me to get over the pain of my past. So, Alan, you don't realize what's been done to me. Oh, I understand. There are people I'm talking to right in here right now that had abuse, that had betrayal, that had horrible things happen to you that should have never, ever happened. But I can tell you this, God's bigger than your past and he can help you get over that and he can help you get through that. You say, well, Alan, I don't know if I believe that. Well, then, then do this. At least begin to acknowledge it's possible. God is possible with you. It's possible. And not only is it possible for you to help me to get over that, it's possible for you to help me flourish right where I am. I don't have to wait for everything to change, God. You can help me right here and right now. Possibility. God can help you. Now, this especially, those first two, I think applies more to when things have been done to you. And all of us have had dealt with some kind of hurt and pain like that. But what about when you're the one that have, has done it? That's the thing we are challenged with, especially as believers we're challenged with, especially when we came to the Lord and then we messed up as believers. And by the way, everybody has. Even Joy, who's not here to defend herself. <laughs> but even Joy has. Everyone has. So how do we how do, we do that? You know, I've, I've messed up. I've, I've done so much. I, even as a believer, what do you... You have to receive the forgiveness that God has for you and believe that God's forgiveness is bigger than your past. God's big forgiveness is bigger than your past mistakes. So let me take just a little time with this right here because this is where I, see, I really see a lot of Christians struggle. I want to show you one of my favorite verses because I've had to use it a lot. It's this one. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now leave it up there just for a second. Right there it says, if we confess our sins. Guys, when you confess your sin, is not when God finds out about it. Some people think, well, if I tell him, he'll know. He already knows. And you tell him, he doesn't go, oh, really? No, no, he knows. If we confess our sins, look, look what it says. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, you don't have to get born again, again and again and again and again. If you've messed up, if you've made a mistake, and all of us have been there, instead of saying, Lord, I need to get born again, again, I need to get born again, again, I need to rededicate, rededicate. Listen, you can wear your rededicator out. Just go to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me. 
Forgive me. I am sorry. I missed it. Forgive me. And then trust that he is faithful and just. He will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He's not rejecting you. Guys, when you mess up, run to God, not away from him. We were having dinner one, one night years ago. Matt was about, I think he was about eight or nine. And Matt was my adventuresome one, still is. And man, he loved to climb and explore the sewers. That brother's been through every sewer in the woodlands. He is, he came, we were eating dinner one night and all of a sudden he shows up right at the plate glass window, scared us because he's, he's covered in sewer stuff. I looked at him and said, that's not my child. That's your child, Joy. No, that's not. No, no, I didn't go, that's not my child. We didn't look at him and go, it's disgusting. He's, he, he's, no, no. I stepped out. I looked at him. I said, okay, take all your clothes off. So we're in, we're in the backyard. He goes down to his underwear. I get the hose and I hose him off and just hose him down. And then he gets a towel. We let him come in. We, we clean him up a bit. He sits down to eat. I say, well, that's a stupid story. Why are you sharing that? But I'll tell you. Because often when we miss it, people come to God with this, that this idea that if I come to God, he is going to be so disgusted at me. Oh, you did it again. You are disgusting. You are terrible. Oh, my God. I want nothing to do with you. But that's not what he does. If we confess our sins, Father, I'm sorry, I missed it. I feel like it's the nth time, but I missed it. He's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So what does he do? We come to the Lord and we're like, Lord, I look disgusting. He's like, come here. Let me forgive you. and Let me hose you down with the blood of Jesus so that you are now clean and stand before me completely clean and forgiven of all your unrighteousness. See, God's a better father than I am. And if we didn't reject our son, he's not going to reject you. The second thing is you have to learn to forgive yourself. Receive God's forgiveness and then forgive yourself. A lot of people will say, well, you know, I, I just, Alan, I don't feel like God forgave me. And I don't feel like I'm forgiven. Here's a, here's a truth that will help you. We just read that verse. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. So instead of putting our feelings above the truth of God's word, we elevate God's word above our feelings. So feelings is not the highest truth in your life. You may feel like 10 miles of dirt road. But the Bible says you're forgiven and cleansed. So now you're going to have to receive that and then forgive yourself and move on. So is that possible? Yeah, it's possible. A, a pastor named Steve Brown was talking with a lady one time. She had been unfaithful to her husband 20 years prior and had never told anyone. Steve Brown was the first one she'd ever told. And after talking with her and praying with her, they determined it was going to be best for her to tell her husband. Steve knew her husband. He knew he would respond well. Steve said that when she, uh, when she left, she looked at him. She said, Pastor, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. She said, but if my marriage falls apart, she said, I'm blaming you. And Steve said she wasn't smiling. He went home and prayed, dear God, if I've made a mistake, help clean my mess up. He saw her the next day. He said she looked 15 years younger. He said, what happened? She said, when I told him, 
He looked at me and said, yeah, I knew about it 20 years ago. I was simply waiting for you to come and tell me so I could tell you that I love you and I forgave you. She said, I've, she laughed. She said, I've been carrying the burden of this for 20 years, not even realizing I've been forgiven. How many of you are carrying burdens that the Lord has already forgiven you for, but you won't forgive yourself and move on? Forgive, if he's big enough to forgive you, then who are we to ever argue with him? Lord, if you're big enough to forgive me, I'm going to forgive myself and move on. You see, we can begin to act like people who have been forgiven. Act like people, that means we, we start making the changes we need to make in our life, and then we rejoice in the fact that God is so much better than we give him credit for. He's really, really good. And in Lamentations, I, I love this verse. It says, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You ever do something and wake up the next day and you're thinking, oh man, I feel so bad about what I did. And then you remember, Lord, your compassions, brand new today. I thought I used up all the mercy yesterday. I thought I used up all the compassion yesterday. I got brand new compassion and mercy for today. We talk about renewable energy. Forget renewable energy. Renewable mercy is what we need. Something that keeps us sustaining us in our life and makes all the difference in our life. I'm talking to you this morning because I want you to be free from the past and the pain of the past that holds so many people back from doing so much. When I was in high school, they used to threaten me with my permanent record. Alan, if you do that, it's going in your permanent record. Somewhere in North Carolina, there's a file with my name on it. And if you open it up, it's got everything wrong I ever did. It's my permanent record. And if you went back and said, uh, I don't think I did this. And like, oh no, I'm checking your permanent record. And here it says that you did this. Can I, I'll tell you something. God has a permanent record, but it's different. When you go to God, say, Lord, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I messed up. I confessed my sin. I messed up. He doesn't pull out your file and go, <clears throat> That is the 437th time that you have done that. The Bible said he forgets our sins as far as the east from the west. So in fact, when, you, when he pulls out your file, you look at it, you go, Lord, why is all that red ink over my file? He said, son, that's not red ink. That's the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses you from all your past and all the things that you've ever done. Your permanent record has been covered over in the blood of Christ. And that is stronger than anything you have done in your past. Aren't you glad for that? Would you bow your heads with me as we close? Forgiveness begins with receiving the forgiveness that's offered to us in Christ. That's where all this starts. The forgiveness that we have because he paid the price for us on the cross God raised him from the dead that we could have justification. In other words, that we would be right in his sight. This morning, if you've never, or you're watching online or you're here and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life and received that forgiveness, I want to give you a chance to do it. Or maybe you're like I was. I had received that, but then I got so far away from God, I even wondered whether or not I could ever get back. I'm going to promise you, you can get back because his blood is greater than your past. But this morning, we're going to say a prayer. And if, if you recognize, I've been away from God, I want to come back. Or you recognize, I, I don't even know that I have a relationship with the Lord, but I want one. 
then this prayer is for you. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one looking around. Either one of those situations is you I'm talking to. Would you slip your hand up real quick and say, Alan, would you pray for me? I want to make sure that I'm right. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? I want to make sure that I'm right with the Lord. Thank you. Wait in the back. I got you. Yeah, got you. Anybody else? Great. Put your hands down. We're going to pray. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Maybe you didn't lift your hand, but you wanted to. You can get in on this prayer. It's a powerful prayer. We're not going to have you come down here. We're not going to have you stand up. But this is a prayer you can pray. Pray it out loud so you can hear yourself pray. We're going to pray it with you. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now the head's still bowed and eyes closed. Father, we're grateful for those who have prayed that prayer this morning. Just a simple prayer. But Father, some have stepped out of darkness into light and some have simply come back home. And you receive them, you forgive them, and they're new creations in you, spotless. What a blessing. Father, for those of us who have walked with you and lived with you, Father, thank you for your forgiveness and the blood which still speaks cleansing to us today. Thank you, it's bigger than our past. Thank you, it's bigger than anything we've done. And we receive that by faith. And we thank you for what we have up ahead. We give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.